Welcome back to another episode of It's Okay to Feel. I'm your host, Craig. With me, as always... And co-host, Steve Pittman. Uh, this week, we got a topic for you. Steve's idea, of course. <laughs> He's got the good ones. This way, Craig is not fully responsible. <laughs> I'm on the hook. Uh, we're going to talk about sleep and how sleep applies to mental health and how it's very important for mental health. Um, I'm sure we're going to have different opinions on some things and similar ideas on others. Why don't you start us off? Great. Super. Well, I'd kind of like to approach this in two ways. First, I want to be clear that neither Craig nor I are clinicians, nor are we researchers. So, you know, if you're looking for vast, deep scientific knowledge, this is probably not the podcast that you should be listening to. However, we're, we're both people who've had experience, personal experience and family experience with mental health and mental wellness. And so from that standpoint, we have some of the knowledge that should be more common. And one of those areas that I would like to discuss over the next few weeks is sleep. I can remember attending a NAMI uh, national convention, and I want to say it was in Texas somewhere, but there was a man there who was a psychiatrist, and he had been divorced once and had remarried. His uh, ex-wife and his new wife apparently knew one another, and the, the relationship was cordial. And he was commenting, and, and this man lived with bipolar disorder, and he was com commenting that he was really blessed. And of course, we're all on tenderhooks waiting to see what he's going to say. And he said, you know, I always, I'm able to catch my bipolar before it gets completely out of control. And went on to say that his ex-wife and his new wife were both very aware of his sleep patterns. And when they started to be different than normal, and when they started to be less than fulfilling, they knew that he needed to, to attend to his mental health because he was getting ready to go into a kind of a bipolar plunge, if you will. And I thought that that was interesting. They regarded it as kind of one of the first signs that something was awry and early enough in the process that if he did the things that he knew that would help him, he could avoid as I said before, plunging into a serious bipolar episode. And so there are several things about sleep that I'd like to spend a few minutes talking about, and this is not intended to be an exhaustive list, but among them, if you go to bed at night and you can't fall asleep, that's a problem. If it takes more than about 30 minutes to fall asleep, that's an indication that something is going wrong. Now, it doesn't mean that you're going to have a bipolar episode, but it does mean that something is wrong with your mental health. And that's true whether you have a mental illness or not. Well, let me stop you there. Sure. Because um, that's how I've lived my whole life. You know, I have routines that I have to follow to go to bed so that I can fall asleep within 30 minutes to an hour. Mm -hmm. You know, because if I don't do those routines, I'm up all night. And what are some of those routines? Um watch documentaries, you know, on things that, you know, keep my mind from wandering. Um, 
keep it focused on something, you know, space, um, history, uh, animals, and science. So you're saying that history puts you to sleep? It's not about it's not about it putting to sleep, but it's more of you know if I if I'm there in the silence or if my mind has room to wander, it'll go places right. that I don't know why, why or where it's going to go. You know, all of a sudden I'm thinking about events ten years ago, or I'm thinking about events five years in the future that are never going to happen. Right? Does that make sense? So, is the thirty minutes measure is that you fall into that? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, I've known it for so long now that I have my routine of the shows and, you know, I know exactly how to put myself into a state of I'm going to fall asleep. But yeah, if I just turn the lights off at night without anything, there's no way I'm falling asleep right away. Mm -hmm. But I mean, that's how it's been, you know, since I was a kid. Well, I'm not, you know what I mean? I'm not arguing with you. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's interesting to know. Yeah. And the thing that helps you is you you watch something that's not the most exhilarating topic in the world. Right. And it just calms your mind. Right. It gives me something to my mind to go on one thing. You know, it's almost like a meditation, uh-huh. you know, but it's it's a subconscious thing and it focuses me so that eventually I'm tired and I go go to sleep. Yeah, it's interesting. Know? One of the things they say about sleep is you shouldn't watch TV. For 30 minutes before you fall asleep because the light will keep you awake but in your particular case it's helpful yeah big time and i'm not quarreling with what you find work for you i'm just saying for some people that doesn't work yeah no it works for me and i've tried it multiple times you know just turning it off and seeing how it goes yeah i'll be up you know and it's not like i'm up oh man it's been 30 minutes oh it's been two hours no i'll just lay there Thinking, thinking, you know, ruminating, right. uh, thoughts spiraling, you know. And all of a sudden I look at the clock and it's four in the morning, mm-hmm. you know. And that's not like, oh, I felt like I've been sitting here for three hours. That almost feels instant, right? you know. Um, so, yeah. Another thing they say, and, and again, this is from the experience of other people. It doesn't work for me very well, but from other people's experience, if you get up more than once a night to go to the bathroom... That's an indication that your sleep is not the healthiest. As you grow older, I think generally you find that you get up more than once a night to go to the bathroom, but uh, maybe yeah. not always. No, once I'm asleep, I'm asleep. I'm out. You don't wake up at all. I don't wake up until I wake up. Right. And then I can't fall back asleep. You know, I'm not a napper. Uh-huh. I can't. I couldn't put myself to sleep during the day. Um, you know, and if I go to bed, because I mean. I have an unconventional sleep schedule anyways because I was a bartender for so many years, you know? So for me, my bedtime's 2 o'clock and I wake up around 8 or 9, just how it's always been, you know? So I'm sure there's other people say go to bed earlier, wake up earlier, but that's just my routine has been for as long as I've known, you know? Um, so for me, if I go to bed at 2 and say the dog or the bird wake me up at 5, even though I've gotten three hours of sleep, I can't fall back asleep after that. I'm mm-hmm. up for the whole day. And they say generally, and again, generally, because obviously it's not true for everyone, but generally you should be sleeping between like nine and six as opposed to two and nine or two and eight. So here's another example of 
Craig knows enough about himself that he knows what works well. And if, given his normal pattern, he's not sleeping, that's a problem. That's a signal to him that something is going exactly. awry. Exactly. And I think that's the biggest part of any of this is the indicators. And we're talking about indicators, right? We're talking about something that's indicating you that something's not normal in your routine, you know? And I guess we're talking about sleep as the main thing, but yeah, it's once I know my sleep's off, something's wrong. Right. You know? And there could be, at that point, there could be a lot of different things you would do or could do. Yes. Like I'm... I'm, I'm yeah, and I think with time... You know, because I've had so much time sober, I've had so much time healthy, and I'm sure the speaker that you're talking about is the same way. Once you know it, it makes it a lot easier to change it. Right. Does that make sense? It's not like we have to go through a whole process and do this and this and this and this. Right. Sometimes just knowing, oh, my sleep's off. Okay, what's going on? Let me see how, you know, have I been busy? Have I been stressed about something? Has there been a big change? And then just being able to process that and think about it is enough to re, you know, readjust uh-huh. and and get back on track, you know, rather than probably my first year being sober, you know, it was a lot different. You know, I'd have to go through, you know, I have to go to a meeting, talk to somebody, you know, do a whole bunch of more work. Right. Does that make sense? And now you can kind of auto-correct. Right. But a big thing too, you know, I think is important while we talk about this is I'm not on medication. And medication could have a huge change in effect to anybody's sleep patterns and routines. Right. And, you know, for me, a change in sleep could mean I have to change or look at something. But for somebody that's on medication, a change in sleep might mean something more serious, which should always be consulted by a doctor, you know. Mm -hmm. I I think the important thing is to be aware of what works best for you. And then be aware if there's anything that interrupts that normal activity. Does that make sense? Yeah. So the things that might be alarming for you might be quite different for somebody else. Yes. Everybody's different. But I think sleep's similar to anybody. That's, that doesn't that, change throughout anybody. And I think it's very prevalent in mental health and addiction and in trauma and in grief. You know, I think anybody that has those type of situations, we can all relate to either the lack of sleep in a, um, in a situation, you know, or the feeling of when you get that sleep back and feel rested after is, you know, I think very prevalent and you can, you can, you know, that moment, you know, and you know that feeling because when you're in the, um, What's the word I'm looking for? When you were in an event or in a... You know, when I was using or when I was in a state of depression or high anxiety, the lack of sleep or the trying to go to sleep isn't something that I can forget. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I'd almost remember that over the exact feeling of you know is not being able to sleep the night after or not being able to sleep for months after right so the the message is and i'm asking now the message is 
if you're not sleeping, if you are not sleeping, how many days of not sleeping well need to go by before you begin to address it? Or do you begin to address it immediately? Well, for me, I mean, I'm kind of a wimp. If I'm not sleeping one night, it's, it's pretty, um, it's pretty quick that I'm trying to change it. It's the next day. Right. You know? Well, I think that's probably true for the majority of us. I don't, I can't really, I can't really do a, a night without sleep and function the next day anymore. Right. You're not worth much. But the next day. let's, let's talk about that. You know, say I do have a bad night of sleep and say I have work and meetings the next day. Maybe I have school and class, right? Um, I won't wake up the next day or I won't go through the next day acting like it's a normal day. I realize, okay, last night was hard. You know, maybe there was something on my mind. Maybe I couldn't fall asleep. Maybe I was triggered by something. And the next day, I'm aware of that the whole day. I'm not taking on extra activities. I'm not pretending like, oh, I got this today. I'm not, you know, telling my friends and family around me, you know, I'm fine. It's no, I didn't sleep good last night. I'm tired. You know, don't expect that much out of me. I'm going to take it easy today. If I need to, I'll call out of work. You know what I mean? Because that's an immediate sign because I didn't sleep that I need to start taking care of myself better. So you don't just let it go. I don't let it go. You have to jump on it quick and, you know, not like, not act like it's nothing. Right. You know, because we're not, you know, quote unquote, normal people. We can't just not sleep one night because of bills. And then the next day just keep on going in some cases. Right. You know, we all, we have this looming mental illness behind us, this looming, you know, in my case, substance abuse behind me, that if I'm not on it, you know, if I let that go and let it slide and pretend like it's nothing, that's how, you know, something can creep in. And then all of a sudden I'm back on a relapse or I'm back on a, you know, episode. And now I've lost all control. Yeah. Lost over one nights of bad sleep. Exactly. You know, and it's, it's about taking care of yourself and knowing the triggers and knowing the um, indications and sleep is a really, really easy way to tell something's wrong for me, you know, and I, and I'm speaking for other people because I've talked to many people and I know situations and I know sleep is a very common, um, common topic, you know, common. And that's why we're talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. I read an article recently that said that when you sleep, your mind clears out all the clutter. So there are a lot of things that happen to us each and every day, some of which are important and relevant, and some of which are just like junk mail in your inbox on your computer. And we, most of you that are listening, probably go through your computer once or twice a day to look at the inbox, and there's an awful lot of stuff, at least if your inbox is like mine, there's an awful lot of stuff that I just delete because it's irrelevant. You know, it's somebody that's contacting me about something that I don't even know how they got my email address. Your, your brain is doing the same thing when you sleep. So one of the reasons that you feel refreshed in the morning is because your brain through sleep has been clearing out all of the junk, all of the garbage. And of course, if you're not sleeping, it means that doesn't happen. So you wake up the next day and the garbage and the relevant things are still swirling around. So that's one of the positive benefits of sleep other than just feeling rested. Yeah. And then, I mean, we can kind of touch a little bit, a bit on, 
maybe, you know, I talked about my routine, right? Watching a show before, um, I think, you know, thinking about your day going into sleep is important too, you know, um, either starting a physical routine if you're having trouble sleeping helps a lot, you know, maybe hitting the gym, going for walks, um, playing basketball, stuff like that can really tire you out, um, which obviously helps sleep, you know, if you're just sitting around all day on the couch. I think it's fair to say there's all different things we can do that kind of prepare us for sleep and a walk or a conversation sometimes or going to the gym are among those things that kind of get us ready. We should also mention, you know, if it also goes beyond, you know, just contemporary ways of going to sleep, right? And it should be, if it's something that is concerning to you, it's something that you can bring up to your psychiatrist or your therapist, you know, and they might have alternative ways and um, ideas to be able to help you to get there. But seeing your sleep patterns is, is important. But I, it I think the be overlooked. I think the important thing to remember is that we need to get a good night's sleep, whether we're our, our mental state is healthy and well, or whether we're not, whether or not we're struggling. But sleep is always important, and it's an important indicator of kind of the the mental health of our status at any given point in time. So, our message to you is: get a good night's sleep. The world will look different. Get a good night's sleep. All right, and with that, we're going to end this episode. Uh, Thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you guys again in a couple weeks. Thank you. 